0: Welcome to rslash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r/slash revenge. And just a reminder, I've started a Patreon. So if you want to support my content and see my episodes that are too spicy for YouTube, then check out my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash rslash. And next, a word from our sponsors. I first got to college my freshman year and met the dorm leader, the RA at most schools. Like most colleges, the dorm leader was the upperclassman that lived in the dorms and monitored the freshman halls. My dorm leader's name was Julio, and at first, he seemed like a nice dude that minded his own business. He talked about how he would stay out of everyone's business if we would stay out of his. Also, he tried to be the cool dorm leader and always mentioned to me about how he drank tons of alcohol his freshman year in the dorms. He gave off the impression he really didn't care if we ever drank in our dorm rooms, but to just keep it on the down low if we did. I really didn't drink much at all, but I appreciated the fact that he seemed pretty normal and didn't try to rat on the kids. During the last week of October of my freshman year of college, I had one of the hardest weeks of my academic career. I was a biochemistry major taking some pretty tough classes and had three exams that week. At the end of the week, a friend I'd recently made down the hall invited me to his dorm room to watch an upcoming NBA game. As we were watching the game, he had a bottle of vodka and gave some to the guys in the dorm. Being a naive and stupid freshman kid just trying to make some friends, I took one shot of vodka and continued to watch the game. As we're watching the game, one of the guys in the dorm spills a bottle of soda and rushes to the bathroom to grab some paper towels. As he walks out of the dorm room, Julio walked by and noticed the bottle of vodka. He laughed and said something like, I remember when I was a freshman, (laughs) haha, just try to keep it down. We thanked him and told him to have a good night. It seemed like a normal conversation and nothing out of the ordinary. 30 minutes later, we hear a knock on the door and two policemen showed up with breathalyzers. They told us that they'd received a complaint from Julio about underage drinking and a party being thrown in the dorm room. Remember, it was three guys watching a Lakers game on a Thursday night at 8pm. I ended up getting a minor in consumption charge for blowing a .02, had to do about 20 hours of community service, a reflection journal, and appeared to the Judicial Affairs Center at my college about my supposed drinking problem. I'm not blaming the officer for giving me a ticket, but I was pretty upset that Julio, who always talked about getting drunk freshman year in the dorm, called the police right after he essentially gave us the okay for the night. A few weeks later, I see Julio and straight up asked him why he decided to rat me out. Specifically, I asked why he didn't just tell me to head back to my dorm if he had a problem with the alcohol instead of calling the police right after our conversation. He responds word for word with, you made a decision and had to suffer the consequences of that decision. After that incident, I never really talked to him, but he always tried to be buddy-buddy when he saw me in the hallway. Anyway, I eventually leave the dorms and move off campus for my sophomore year. I decided to rush a fraternity my freshman year and ended up meeting some really nice guys. I've never been the fraternity type, but I went to a smaller college where fraternities are a lot different than most places. During the second semester of my sophomore year, my fraternity was taking a new pledge class. One day, I received a text from Julio saying, One of the guys pledging your fraternity has been caught dealing alcohol to another freshman in the dorms. I thought I would let you know. Turns out, Julio was the dorm leader for a freshman pledging my fraternity and ratted him out to judicial affairs as well. Thinking the term dealing alcohol was the lamest and funniest thing I've ever heard, I sent that to our fraternity group me and everyone laughed about it. About a week later, that kid pledging our fraternity came up to me asking about the message I received from Julio. Essentially, a pretty similar thing happened to him like what happened to me. Julio found out he had given another kid in the dorm a bottle of wine and reported it to the police. This kid ended up getting a minor in possession and had to speak with judicial affairs. This is where the story gets hilarious. In his meeting with Judicial Affairs, the kid pledging our fraternity told the Judicial Affairs guy that his dorm leader, Julio was now a senior at this point, had texted me about the charges pending against him. Apparently, it's a huge violation to discuss pending charges against a freshman in your dorm to a third party. The Judicial Affairs guy told him that if he could prove Julio was discussing this charge with a third party, aka me, he would receive severe sanctions. Basically, if I sent that text to the judicial affairs people, Julio would be in a boatload of trouble. So I sent the text that night to the judicial affairs people. After that, I didn't hear anything about what happened to Julio and had honestly forgotten about it. However, nearing the end of the school year in my sophomore year, I saw Julio at the dining hall and he came up to speak to me. He tells me a story about how he knows I was the one who ratted him out to judicial affairs, how he ended up getting fired from his dorm leader position, lost the scholarship money his dorm leader job provided him, and overall how sucky his life had been since he got fired. After going through his entire sob story, he asked me, Why did you do that? This could have been handled completely differently. I didn't have to get fired and I could have kept my scholarship money. I look him dead in the eye for what seemed like 30 seconds and say, Julio, you made a decision and had to suffer the consequences of that decision. Our next Reddit post is from a Hokey 8 Around eight years ago, my parents and sister had moved out to a log cabin that we built as a family over six years. They live on a secluded lake and bought 10 acres for themselves into the north. Another couple bought the five acre plot right next to us. We were the only two neighbors next to each other for 1.8 miles. At first, the couple was friendly and had no problems at all. After around six months of them living there and building their new home, my parents bought 144 acres to the north of them. This means that our neighbor's property is sandwiched between our two properties. And because of this, the only way we could get to our second strip of land is to cross his strip of land due to easement loss. He had no problem at first, but one day the trail we used to get to our land to the north was covered with large logs, branches, yellow tape, and a no trespassing sign. My dad went to go ask what was going on. The owner, we'll call him John, came up to my dad and I and demanded that we give him a 20 yard wide and 400 yard long piece of our property to the north of him. He said he wanted to cut down some of the trees to the north of him to make sure none of them fell on his house. This is a thickly wooded area. So of course my dad said no and that he wouldn't even sell the small portion of land that he requested to be given to him for free. We'll find out at the end of the story as to why he wanted that small strip of land so badly. This is where the five years of drama started. Before I mention all the crazy things he'd done to us over the years, I want to point out that he's a born fraud and took a settlement from the railroad company he worked for due to a back injury that would leave him disabled for life. It wasn't true at all. We found out that he sues everyone to get his way because his oldest daughter is a lawyer and works the system. Here's a small list of the stunts he's pulled mainly towards my parents along with others. He had gotten away with everything for five years because his daughter tells him how to stay in the clear. Also, he was on his fifth marriage, so not the most likable guy. He slashed the tires of our two four-wheelers so we couldn't drive them to our land to the north on two occasions. He shot out and or slashed the tires of our vehicles when we were gone in the middle of the night. We put up some cameras, but they weren't clear enough to prove it was him. My golden retriever, Bailey, is outside most of the day, and John's dog is also named Bailey. The two dogs love to play together, but John didn't like that. He said he would shoot my dog in the stomach if he ever went on his property again. After that, weeks later, he would start to yell out Bailey to lure our dog onto his property. He grabbed my dog by the collar and put a pistol to his head and said he'd kill my dog if he ever came onto his property again or played with his dog. We put up an underground electric fence so she wouldn't go over there anymore even though John would always try to lure her into his yard. On several occasions he would hit golf balls into our windows and blame it on me since I was a golfer. Once again everything he did we couldn't prove in court. When his house was being built he went through three different contractors because John was threatening to sue every contractor for every little thing and all three contractors left him. When he was getting his driveway poured, he offered to help the contractor, and once again he was pulling another scam. Where I live, if someone starts helping a contractor with work, there's a weird law that states that a contractor would need to pay John for his work he helped with. This went to court, and he got his $10,000 driveway for free, plus took him for another $15,000 for some other BS. We too were in the process of finishing up my parents' house, and he stole very specific wood from our place to use in his house. Juniper, diamond willow, thick pine for window bucks, a couple thousand dollars worth of wood. Once again, we didn't have enough evidence for a search warrant. During Thanksgiving dinner several years ago, our house caught on fire due to the stonemason cutting corners and using cheap and wrong parts for our fireplace. Firefighters from five cities were dispatched because we live in the country. Due to the amount of fire trucks that were coming and going, John took his truck and parked it sideways on a narrow strip of roads that the firefighters coming and going couldn't get through. He stated that we were ruining their Thanksgiving due to the commotion of our house burning down and fire truck sirens. The next fire truck that showed up used the force within their rights to plow his truck off the road. John tried to sue us and the fire department for the damage to his truck, but it never even made it to court because the fire department had the rights to do so. What I listed above only scratched the surface. There's so much more stuff that he did to my family that my mom and sister wanted to move because they were afraid of what he might do next. This is where all the pieces started to fall into place to take him down. The spring after our house burnt down, there was a storm and two trees from our property fell onto John's lawn and he called demanding that we remove the trees. We had no equipment at this time and told him we couldn't get to that immediately. So what John did was cut down a 20 by 40 foot yard area of trees to drag the trees to our property to the north of him. Uh Uh-oh. Later, he set the pile of wood on fire and burnt down 20 more trees and 20 acres of prairie grass. One of the trees that burnt down to the north was inhabited by a bald eagle. Uh Uh-oh. We could confirm the cutting down of 24 trees to drag the fallen trees that were in his yard, but couldn't prove the fire that was started to burn those sawed up trees. When I saw that he had cut down a number of our trees on our property to the north of him, I took detailed photos of all the cut down trees and marked the type of tree and how thick the trunks were. Turns out that in my state, there's a monetary value to those trees and he was screwed. However, when I was marking the trees he cut down, I realized I didn't know where the true property line was. A few weeks later, I found the prints to where the property line was and he built his house, 5,000 square foot garage, and underground propane tank a few feet onto our property. So now we found out why he wanted that land so bad before we would figure it out. Now, during this time, John had put his house up for sale and put a $120,000 markup on what the actual market price was. We found out why he was doing this, because he and a friend had gambled a lot of their savings on buying the property around a lake and they were selling no lots. He was bleeding money. We were finally able to put a lien on his house, and that was his only lifeline to get cash to make their land payments. To make the rest of the story go by faster, I'll skip to the part where we ended up buying his house. We told him to bring the price back down to market value and then my father said that we could settle the price of the trees that he had cut down and he agreed to settle that in the price of the house. My dad also identified the stolen wood and we could trace it back to the same unique wood in our house. We could sue him for that too or he could drop the price for stealing our materials. Lastly, because John was such a douchebag, my dad used the leverage of the lien we had on his house to drop the value even more. John was bleeding money and was desperate for anything. So in the end, my parents bought his house for 28% of its market value. John's fifth wife would end up leaving him a year later and he filed for bankruptcy. Lost his land development area since he was upside down on the payments and now lives in a cheap studio apartment alone. When are people gonna learn? Never ever mess with tree law. Our next reddit post is from Nadaste. So some backstory. My freshman year of high school I was sexually assaulted by a peer and so was another girl. I kept it to myself because we had a lot of mutual friends and didn't want them to be uncomfortable or feel like they had to choose a side. I also felt like I was responsible and it made me feel really guilty. I also suffered a lot of psychological repercussions, an eating disorder, I began cutting, I developed severe anxiety and depression. Finally it peaked and I forced myself to tell my English teacher. The police were called, I was interviewed. Already, I could tell the detective was not taking me seriously. He also blatantly misquoted me in the statement and used words like misunderstanding and he went in for a kiss. Even though I made it very clear I struggled and tried to push him away and he had me pinned to the wall with his hand around my throat. My abuser confessed after 10 minutes of being interviewed by the police. The charges got dropped by the prosecutor because he felt the case would never go to trial. He was a star student and was very well respected. After this, he was banned from speaking at school-sanctioned events. I was still quiet because I'm not the the rock-the-boat type of person. Eventually, I found out he was planning on going to the same college I was going to. I wrote him a letter asking him to please reconsider. He said he was very sorry earlier. I told him in the letter to put his money where his mouth is and prove it. He never replied. A few weeks later, I found out he's planning to speak at a baccalaureate event put on by my local interfaith community. I emailed the teacher in charge and told her what happened and politely asked her to not allow him to speak. She emailed back and essentially said, that's terrible, I'm so sorry. We're still gonna let him speak though. Feel better. I'm livid at this point. I've been dismissed, belittled, ignored, and unheard for years despite my efforts to get justice. He's still incredibly popular and everyone loves him. I decide I've done all I can. I tried to take care of things on the down low, talk to him privately to come to an agreement, talk to the organizer to try to come to an agreement, and they both ignored me just like the police did. So I decide I'm not going to be quiet anymore. I attend the baccalaureate event and while he's giving his speech, ironically about treating others with respect, lol. I hold up a sign that says, this man has assaulted two women. Is this the face of the class of 2020? Stop giving assaulters and abusers a platform to speak. Stop silencing women. By the time the event is over, everyone is talking about it. And everyone is pissed at both him and the organizers for letting him speak. Many of the girls there are victims of sexual assault themselves, and they're all furious at the organization knowingly let a predator speak. I feel incredible. It's like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. The last thing he told me after he'd finished violating me was, don't tell anyone. And after years had passed and I felt comfortable speaking about it to a select few, and the police knew, and all the teachers knew, he was still praised. And every time I heard someone talk about him fondly, I heard that little voice from deep down inside me saying, you're letting him win. Now that everyone knows and everyone hates him, I know that finally, finally I can lay this matter to bed. I can finally let go. OP, I'm glad you got some manner of finding your own justice out of this because the way that these people treated you is unforgivable. That was r slash pro revenge and if you like this video then hit that subscribe button because I put out new reddit videos every single day.